thoughts, our vision, our way of looking at things have gone higher from glory to glory. I give you thanks for that. And I thank you that even the smallest burden up to the biggest burden that we may have with us today, we thank you that Jesus is the great burden bearer. And we cast our cares on him because he cares for us. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a big praise. Happy 2020. You may be seated. Thank you, singers and musicians. You can take those beautiful uh, uh, microphone stands. I have my special new co-worker here with me again. I appreciate him so very much. You say, who's that? Well, you should have been here New Year's Eve. What a New Year's Eve service we had. What a great, I love it. Pastor Nathan gives me two hours to preach, prophesy, pray for the sick, receive the offering. As no, and didn't we have a great time? Packed out, extra chairs everywhere. We had like an old-fashioned revival, everything happening, people receiving from God kind of New Year's Eve, didn't we? Amen. And so we we're glad people come to the Lord and all the other things. We talked about certain prophetic situations that we are sure to face like never before in the coming decade. All right. I see you all settled. You all participated in giving. Let's give those singers and musicians another good hand. They worked so hard. And we're so committed over the Christmas holidays. Well, here we are the first Sunday of 2020. I have a message that I feel great excitement about, a little anxious about it. I'm going to present it to you in a way that probably will make you feel uncomfortable because whenever something new is spoken, even though you see it in the scripture, it makes us squirm a little bit, but, but be encouraged. I'm going to talk about money today. No, I'm not talking about giving. You think that's the same thing. No, no, no. I'm talking about money in the way maybe you've never heard about money before. Now. You know, we have much good teaching and necessary teaching about God meeting our needs. And that's beautiful. God meets people's needs. But I'm going to present to you, according to Scripture, three historical records. Two have already happened. One is going to happen. There's three clear records in Scripture of superabundance. I have so much to say that I don't have time to explain, you know, what some people call prosperity message. Are you a prosperity preacher? I don't have time to articulate or defend whatever abuses are there are of preaching about money, of preachers just hoarding for themselves. Uh, I don't have time for that. I, don't, I have bigger fish to fry. I suppose if we were to experience what I'm going to talk about here today, that would become one of my number one prayer requests for this church, that we will not become egotistical, self-centered believers, that we will understand God's historical superabundance. So I suppose if we were to experience this, my prayer would be, for those of you who say, I I'm concerned about having my rent paid. I'm concerned about that. And suddenly you step into superabundance. Uh, you get a house and we don't even see you on Sundays anymore because you're always walking around doing something in your house. 
That'd be my prayer. And for those of you who have a house and you got it paid off and you're doing good, well, if we were to experience what I am prophesying and speaking about today of superabundance, then right on top of my prayer list would be that you would not go crazy on me. That I wouldn't have to say on Sundays, where is so-and-so? Oh, they're in the Bahamas for the weekend. Well, last weekend, they were in Hawaii. And then next weekend, where are so-and-so now? I haven't seen them around here at Toronto Celebration Church for a while. Oh, uh, they've flown off to South America for three days. That'd be my main prayer for you. Because I want us to be a people that are humble, that care for the poor, that care for the world, that reaches out to the world. Can I hear an amen so far? I'm going to start with quoting from Paul's very heart-gripping speech to the Ephesians elders. Acts 20, 27. I have not shunned to declare to you all the counsel of God. That in first there was a temptation for the apostle Paul to maybe avoid certain subjects. So in the preaching of the Bible, you skip certain things because certain topics can cause some unrest and discussion. And we know that the Apostle Paul considered money in God's counsel. The lengthiest, most exhaustive teaching on, in Scripture concerning money is 39 verses, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 by the Apostle Paul. Many of Jesus' parables have a direct application to money. And so it, for those who think that it's unspiritual to talk about money, I want to say, I would rather, I, Peter Youngren, would rather be unspiritual like Paul and Jesus than spiritual according to some people's definition of that word. And you see, if we, we, we are a church, as you know, Pastor Nathan and I are standing really shoulder to shoulder on this. We believe that every one of the almost 8 billion people now on the planet must and should have a right to hear the gospel. We believe that. We preach that. Uh, I'm about to release a book on that subject. We talk about it a lot. Pastor Nathan, just like I and others here, we are working very much on this. Bible school campuses, raising up workers, taking people who have nothing, helping them to release them into this. But let me say, To talk about this and to dream about this, such an enormous task. Such an enormous task when we know the most recent statistics, I have showed them to you, 2.22 billion people, 29% have virtually no exposure to the gospel. Another 39% have exposure to the gospel but may not have heard it and certainly haven't received it. That's almost 70% of the population. So to talk about a task so enormous and not mention money is simply ludicrous. You're not a serious person. The gospel is free, but what we are talking about is enormous. Poverty, according to Deuteronomy 28, is a curse. Here are the words that I use. You'll see them on the screen. Here's how poverty is defined as hunger, thirst, nakedness, and want of all things. In other words, total, absolute lack. Now look at Jesus on the cross. 
he exemplified that definition. When Jesus hung on the cross, he was hungry, he was thirsty, he was naked, and he was in want of all things. He became totally poor. Even the tomb in which he was buried was a borrowed tomb. Even the cloths, his burial cloths, they were buried, they were, they were borrowed. And so Jesus experienced total abject poverty. And in the context of that, we understand 2 Corinthians 8, 9, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. That's a good time to get excited. But, but I mean, he became absolutely poor. And the great exchange, he took our sin and gives us his righteousness. He took our sicknesses and gave us his health. He took our poverty. He took our total nakedness and want of all things that we through him might be rich. Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians and he says and makes an astounding statement, verse 8 in chapter 9, and God is able, listen, Toronto Celebration Church, listen, every friend and partner, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That in all ways, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every and all good work. First of all, grace is the undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor of God. Now when the Bible speaks of grace, it always speaks about it in connection with Jesus Christ. So grace is Jesus Christ. It's the grace of Jesus Christ. Now in this verse, if you have it up on the screen still, amazingly, the word all appears five times. And the word abound appears twice in this little sentence. Five times. All grace, all ways, all sufficiency, all things, all good works. And notice the word abound. Abound to you. Everybody say, that's me. Abound to all good works. Think about the enormity of this statement. I try to, sometimes, you know, we're so accustomed to hear a scripture verse, so I try to rewrite it and do justice to what he said. So I put another version of that is, take this to your heart. God is able to make all his favor to be abundantly at our disposal for every good thing. Think about that. You just think about that. Look at it again. Let's read it together. God is able to make all his favor to be abundantly at our disposal for every good thing. Now that's something to build your life on. That is something to say praise the Lord for. That's a promise of God. Now I called this message alignment. It's a somewhat dubious title because I didn't really want to tell you what I was preaching about. I'm a little tricky that way. Uh, but you're going to understand it why. So sometimes when we think in the area of, of money, of alignment, we are praying for God to align himself to our need. And of course, if you're part of this church, you know 
that we don't have to pray like that because God already has, through Jesus Christ, aligned himself to the meeting of our needs. Pastor Nathan quoted the scripture verse, Philippians 4, 19, just a moment ago. God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But still many people think in those terms, oh God, here I am. I pray release finances. Oh God, bring it to me. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about us, corporately and individually, aligning ourselves to God's purpose, especially considering the prophetic time in which we live. And you'll understand what I meant with that in just a moment. Have you ever thought in the scripture that there are many financial miracles recorded? Even when Simon Peter had to pay taxes, he found a gold coin in the fish's mouth. That's pretty good. That'll help you with CRA. But, you know, in the scripture, you never have a record, record, especially in the book of Acts, of the people praying for money. It, it, it was like... They saw a vision and they said, let's go there. You, you never have like, well, do we have enough money in the bank or what should we do? I talked about the book of Acts. The disciples questioned that earlier, but after the resurrection. He doesn't say, it just says, we went here and they went there and, and, and the group went here and Paul said to this one, go there and you do this. And, and it all costs money, right? But it doesn't seem like uh, they sat down and said, well, is it in the budget? Now, let me say, first of all, I think everybody should have a budget. Can you say amen to that? <laughs> Some of you are going to go home and write one this afternoon now. We have budget. We are not careless people. For example, when we do our work around the world, Pastor Nathan being the hub of that, he collects information from all the different workers and resources that we have in different parts of the world, then he compiles a budget. And then we've set it up in such a way, not because it's not the, he sends the budget to me so that if I want to cut it further, he can blame it on me, you see. So he doesn't have to bear the whole burden of it, which he does a lot. And so we go over the budget and we itemize it and we look at it and we cut things and we negotiate and we say we need to negotiate this and that. So I'm not against budgets. I believe in getting the best deal possible. But I am saying our God is so big. Our God is so abundant that God cannot be defined to a budget. When God says that the everyone and the ends of the earth shall hear and have the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, God is not an irresponsible dreamer. No, no, no. Abraham found out that God is Jehovah Jireh. And I'm saying he is still Jehovah Jireh, my God who shall supply every need. And what I'm proposing this morning is that every one of us, from the teenager to the senior citizen, make sure that we have aligned ourselves in this historical record that is already in Scripture of something beyond just giving and receiving, sowing and reaping of this superabundance. Get ready, get in, because that wave is going to hit you if you're willing to get into it. You see, so there is one good work, many good works, but there is one good work 
that has a historical record of super abundant provision and blessing from God. And that one good work is, put it on the screen, God always provides for his dwelling place. What does that mean? That sounds far out. Stay with me. I preach New Year's Eve. I'm teaching this morning. So it's going to be a little slower, but it's going to be really even better in the end. Are you with me? God always abundantly provided for his dwelling place. You see, God always wanted to dwell with people. That's why he created Adam and Eve. He wanted to be with them. And, and sometimes we think that God's purpose is to take people to heaven, but if you really read the Bible, what really God wants to do is to take heaven to earth. Even in the book of Revelation, when New Jerusalem comes down, it's not shooting into space, it's coming down. God wants to bring heaven to earth. That's why God wanted to be with the people of Israel. He wanted to be there accessible. That's why well, we have Christ in you. Christ is in you. God wants to dwell with you and with people. Can I hear a yes to that? All right. Now, the first actual physical dwelling place of God in Scripture is the tabernacle of Moses. God was very meticulous. Without reading all the scriptures, there was to be gold, silver, precious stones, special wood, special cloth. It was very precise. And the amazing thing is that God had prophesied financial provision for that particular tabernacle. God prophesied it. That's why I'm prophesying to you today, because I'm going to follow God's historical prophetic word. Look at this. It says in Genesis 15, here is a prophecy. God says to Abraham, your descendants will be strangers in the land that is not theirs and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Some translation says wealth. So 400 years in advance, more than 400 years in advance, God says, Abraham, your grandson and your great-grandson, which was Jacob and Joseph, they will go to Egypt. And after a while, they will be afflicted there. They will stay there four centuries. And when they come out, they will come out with great possession. Uh, Wait a minute. So, God, you're saying that a whole people are going to be slaves, arguably earning no money for 400 years, and the moment that slavery is over, they're going to have great possessions. That's quite amazing, isn't it? Are you still here this morning? Uh, And it's also amazing that this is the one thing that God singles out. He could have said, well, after 400 years when they come out, They will come out with rejoicing. (laughs) Or they will come out with great wisdom. Or they will come out with faith in their hearts. There could have been many things that God could have said. But the one thing he says, when they are coming out, they're coming out with great wealth. Then that financial abundance was realized. Exodus 12. Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they asked from the Egyptians 
articles of silver, gold, and clothing. The Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so they granted them what they had requested, and they plundered the Egyptians. One translation says they stripped the Egyptians. They spoiled them. So you say, well, well what went on? Basically, after everything that had happened, and God showed his might, they went to the Egyptians and said, I want your gold and your silver and all your precious stones. And the Egyptians basically says, take it all. They were just so anxious, let's get rid of these people. I don't care what it costs, just, just laden them down with everything you got. We, we just, you say, was that fair? You know, we want fairness. Well, I can make an argument that it was fair. They had been working for 400 years without pay. And now in one day, they got back pay with interest all paid out in one day. So I could make that argument. And Pastor Nathan, not knowing what I was going to preach about, quoted the verse I have here, Psalm 105, 37. It says, he brought them out and there was not one feeble among them. So that was one thing, they were healthy. But then the second thing was, he brought them out with silver and gold. Now, an interesting observation, the word silver in the Hebrew language, keseth, is the modern Hebrew word for money. Silver, keseth, means money. So you could read the verse with the modern understanding of the Hebrew language. He brought them out with money and with gold. Why? Because God had a purpose God was setting them up for a historical superabundance to build God's dwelling place. And then the people willingly cooperated. Exodus 35, Moses spoke, take an offering to the Lord, whoever is of a willing heart. See, God is not unreasonable. Tell your neighbor, God's not unreasonable. He had already given them all this wealth, so he wasn't asking them to go and start printing money. He had already given it to them. And he says, now take, if you're willing, if you want to hoard it all for yourself, I guess, do that. But if you're willing, bring an offering. And he says, everyone whose heart stirred him up brought him free offerings every morning. Wow, that's something. We have never done that every morning. That would be something. But I'm not saying we should. Don't worry. Uh, but then it gets really good. Are you with me here? Exodus 35, just the next verse. Then the leader spoke to Moses. The people bring much more than enough. So the people were restrained from bringing. Now I have never in my life heard of that happening in a modern day church. I know it has not happened in reference to World Impact Ministries or Toronto Celebration Church. And I don't know any other place in the world. I don't know everything, but you might have heard of it. That a pastor would stand up or a preacher would stand up and say, for the next quarter, we are receiving no offerings because uh, every, there are money and checks and credit card slips everywhere in this building. We cannot handle it. I, I have never heard of that happening. But I, I would call that superabundance. Everybody say superabundance. That, that's why I caution you. I gave you a caveat. This might stretch us a little bit. It's in the Bible. That's what I stand on. So we see here 
a principle. God provides and we partner with God in his purpose for his dwelling place. Are you with me? So there's one historical record. Let's go to the second one. Solomon's temple, which was even so much more magnificent. Now, David played the king, played a vital part in this. But David's early life, maybe like many of our lives, was very unimpressive. I mean, the prophet Samuel came to his father, Jesse's house, and he said, he had a horn of oil. He says, one of you boys are going to be anointed king. Bring your sons. So Jesse brings all his boys, and Samuel says, no, no, no. So Jesse, the father, must have thought that the youngest boy, David, was so unassuming, such a runt of the litter, so to speak, if I may use that language, that he wasn't even worth bringing in. Doesn't that remind you of 1 Corinthians? Not many wise, not many noble, not many mighty, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world that he might get all the glory. Everybody shout, there's hope for me. All right. And so what happens during the 70 years of David's reign is, put it on the PowerPoint, a poor agrarian nation is blessed with phenomenal wealth, unheard of increase. So that the end of David's life, according to the scriptural record, we would call him today a multi-billionaire. That's with a B. It was the most fantastic, extraordinary wealth transfer that I can think of. I can only imagine, you know, we talk about GDP, every country is uh, tallying its gross domestic product every year. I think the United States is 3% a year, Canada is about 2%, China used to try to be at 7%, and, 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 and so there, you know, those are, those are good GDP numbers. I can only imagine what the GDP number of Israel was. For sure, it was more than double digits every year. It was a phenomenal increase. Why did God bless Israel? Well, I think there's at least two reasons. God blessed David with all his flaws. We need not to go over all of David's sins because you all know them. Anyhow, you know how it is. People's sins, the news of them travel much faster than their good deeds. Are you with me? So, so in spite of it all, he was the man after God's own heart and God blessed him. And number two, God had a purpose, his eternal dwelling place. Then we have the people willingly cooperating. 1 Corinthians 29, stay with me. It's not clearly good yet. It's going to get good. Are you with me? I'm not doing New Year's Eve preaching. I'm laying a foundation. The people willingly cooperated. 1 Chronicles 29, 2. David says, for the house of my God, I have prepared with all my might gold, silver, bronze, onyx stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones, and marble in abundance. I like the phrase, with all my might. That's, that's one of the things about David. Whatever he did, he did with all his might. When he danced before the Lord, he danced so hard his clothes fell off. I mean, that's why I react when we sing songs, you know, when I think of his goodness, I could sing, sing all night, and you fall, look like you're falling asleep. I said, stop talking like that. If you can sing all night, sing all night. Don't, don't talk about it. Just sing all night then. 
you want to jump all night, jump all night. But what if, whatever in business, whatever you're going to do, serving God, do it with all your might. Half-heartedness is boring. It's counterproductive. You're only fooling yourself. So whatever we're going to do, we're going to do it. Listen, Toronto Celebration Church. Listen, partners and friends across the country of our ministry, whatever we're going to do for the world, for the gospel, for Jesus Christ, we're going to do it with all our might. And then it says, I love this language here. Nothing poor, nothing stingy, gold, silver, bronze, onyx, ooh, stones to be set, glistening stones. I suppose that's diamonds, various colors, rhubarb rubies and tanzanites and sapphires and all kinds of precious marble in abundance abundance lots you say why 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 is he getting carried away next verse tells us why because i have set my affection on the house of my god where we set our affection is where we succeed should i say that again did you get that where we set our affection, we succeed. He says, I've given to the house of my God of my own special treasure. This is not the state treasure. This is his, his personal treasure of gold and silver and many other things. And then he says, 3,000 talents of gold. Now, I'm not saying maybe they estimated gold differently in those days, but let's use today. How much is one talent? Put it up on the screen. One talent is 30.2 kilos which is 67 pounds, which is 1,065 ounces. Low, low estimate today, gold is trading at 1,500 U.S. dollars, actually a little bit more per ounce. So if we were to take today's value in gold, just one talent would be at the minimum 1.6 million U.S. dollars. 3,000 talents, just at the going rate, would be somewhere between four to five billion dollars worth of gold that David gave. Now that's an offering. I guess the shepherd boy who said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He had experienced it. How many like to experience some of that? I mean, he wasn't just writing a hope and so something. He experienced it. And I'm not going to talk about what David gave in silver and precious. No, let's just keep with the gold right now. Pretty good. Then it says, verse 6, 7, the leaders gave 5,000 talents of gold. It wasn't like he had all the money to himself. That would be closer to 8 billion. So the combined giving, put it up there between David and his leaders would have been 12 to 13 billion U.S. dollars in gold alone. Now, I, I know to all of us here, unless I, there's something about you I don't know or something about myself I don't know, these numbers are out there. Do you understand why I was saying I was feeling a little anxious what I was going to preach and I would prefer to skip this because it seems like if you believe in God just to help you with this month's rent, it seems like I'm really flying way over your head, but actually I'm not. Amen. 
because everybody, even a poor shepherd boy who isn't even worthy to come to, to come home so, I, so, so a stranger can meet him, it starts somewhere. I started selling postcards for five cent profit. That's where I started. So I don't care how young or old you are. Uh, this is for, are you ready for super abundance? Now, something is happening in our world today. Do you know that 2019, the global stock market increased in value 17 trillion U.S. dollars. Say, so what's that? Well, a billion is a thousand million, and a trillion is a thousand billion, and 17 is 17 times that. And I can't even think about what it means. Are you with me? So when we say, oh, God, send money as if God has a printing press, I am announcing to you, there is so much money. The question is, who has it? Just take your neighborhood in Toronto. Just go to the 50 to 100 closest buildings to where you live and try to, base on recent real estate figures, figure out how much wealth, whether the banks owns it or you own it or somebody else owns it, somebody owns it, there is in your neighborhood. Just walk up and down your street. Walk two minutes this way and two minutes that way. And don't tell me that there's no money in Toronto. There's so much money. Some of you are thinking, I've got to get it. <laughs> good, good thinking, but stay with me. Don't walk out of the room yet. Are you, are you still here? But, but don't tell me there's lack of money because there isn't. And so, in whose hand? You know, sometimes we, you maybe see on TV some movie about the narco, the narcos from Colombian drug cartel, and they're burying suitcases of $100 bills. You say, oh, money. Well, some money's in the wrong hands. Some money's in the hands of believers who don't know why they have it. And some believers, once they find out why they should have it, may go and get it. That was a good place to say Amen. Now I'm getting to the third historical record. Is it all right? God's eternal temple of living stones. First, Peter 2, 5. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house or spiritual temple. So I propose to you that God is today in a building project. Not of brick and mortar, not of gold and silver, but of living stones that every person who is awakened to the reality of Jesus Christ becomes another living stone in God's temple of living stones. That's why our church is aligned to be a world shaker and history maker. That's why it is a blessing for our church to be so aligned because God is in a great building program of living stones. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that your temple, you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Approximately 12 times in the New Testament, Paul says, do you not know? And every time he says that, he's referring to something people don't know a lot about. He says, don't you know? Obviously, you probably don't know fully. That you're the temple of God. The Spirit of God dwells in you. Notice the word dwell. Everybody say dwell. dwell. 
That's the same word we heard regarding the tabernacle. That's the same word we heard regarding Solomon's temple. God dwells with people, and now God dwells in us. You know, Stephen, the first martyr, he outraged the religious leaders when he said to them, God no longer lives in a temple made with human hands. They're so mad. Some people are still mad. Every religion believes that God still lives in special real estate. Christians refer to their churches as God's house. And if, if that doesn't blow you away, take a group of tourists to the Western Wall in Jerusalem and try to tell them God doesn't live any more here than he lives in, in, in Port Union. No, 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 people still get mad. They say, well, one pastor said to me, well, I hear what you say. You're right from Scripture, Pastor Peter, but I just feel something here. I just, well, I said, I throw out the Bible and just go with whatever you feel because you're here right now. People still get outraged. Stephen said, God doesn't live in a temple made with hands. Says, Let's kill this guy. Are you getting the message? God lives in a temple of living stones. Look at this. Put this up. It hit me. People are always more precious than things. Look at that. Let's say that. People are always more precious than things. You believe that? All right. But I say, if God was so lavish, so particular about building those temporary building dwelling places, the tabernacle of the temple, how much more lavish in his eternal temple of living stones? Put up the next statement. Redemption of a person cannot be measured in finances. There's no monetary way to measure the value of one soul. Of the blood of Jesus Christ shed for one person. But I'm saying for us to do and for me to do what I'm doing to partners and friends and what I preach to pastors all over the world and what I preach in this church that the world is up for grabs and world history is going to change, and the gospel of Jesus Christ is for all people, regardless of religion, to have such a discussion, to preach such a thing, and then not address the topic of God's plan for money is ludicrous. And if I didn't dare to address the topic of money, I ought to stop talking about everything else because to, to really think about what it means to disciple nations. I'm not just talking about passing out a track. That's important. What would it take? What would it take to take a whole country or a continent and penetrate that? The technical tools are there. My goodness, this week we're going to apply a little tool. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're conducting a campaign right from this platform. At 8 a.m. Wednesday, 8 a.m. Thursday, 8 a.m. Friday, I will be preaching here with an interpreter in the Indonesian language. We are right now running ads. We just released the first ad last night. I noticed over 60,000 have already seen it on Facebook. We're asking people in every nook and cranny of Indonesia to tune in. We are set up so that then when they hit the right tab, they will go right to the Indonesian version of our booklet, The Enlightenment. It's happening this week. Why do you do it at 8 in the morning? Because that's 8 p.m. in Jakarta, Indonesia. But I mean, that's just a little, little thing we're doing, just a tiny little thing. 
if we really were to think this is a serious task, how would we think? And I can't think any other way but super abundance. It's an enormous task. But God doesn't, he doesn't purvey just idle dreaming. God is responsible for the task he gives. And so there's financial abundance prophesied. We go to the book of Haggai. Haggai means peace. Actually, the name Haggai means peace, which is a word associated with the gospel because the gospel is peace. And here it says in Haggai 2, God says, I will shake all nations, and they shall come with the wealth of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory. What temple is Haggai prophesying about? Well, he's not prophesying about the temple when he says this temple that was there when he was alive because that was destroyed. He is also not prophesying about the temple that was there at the time of Jesus, which had been built by hell, because that's also uh, was destroyed. So I'm submitting to you that he's prophesying about this temple that the apostle Paul is talking about, that Peter the apostle is talking about, the temple of living stones, that the ends of the earth shall hear of the glory of the Lord and the knowledge of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And you say, what kind of wealth? It says the wealth of all the nations will come to this, this temple. What kind of wealth? Maybe you say it's spiritual wealth. Maybe it's a wealth of wisdom. Well, those are all good wealths. But let's read the rest of the verse. What does God say? He says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. So in this context, it's not speaking of some undefined spiritual wealth, the wisdom wealth, though those are very valuable. It is speaking of silver. Remember the Hebrew word for silver in modern Hebrew is money. He says, the money is mine and the gold is mine. Did you believe that? We ought, we ought to be jumping, but don't jump yet. I'm saying on the basis of creation, that the earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it, God can say the money and the gold is mine. He has a right to say that by creation. Number two, he has a right to say that by redemption. Because whatever the devil had stolen and put under his domain, Jesus redeemed it back. Coming towards the end now. It's getting good. Let me put it in other words. That means that legitimate right to money is there through Jesus Christ. Everything, including all the wealth, legitimately belongs to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He says the silver is mine. The money is mine. The gold is mine. That's something for the Colombian drug cartel to think about. That is something for Bay Street and Wall Street to think about. And you know, I, I said this would be painful to some. It's, it's joyous, but you say, well, I don't know where I'm at. Aren't you glad that I'm preaching it today? You say, well, I'm 80 years old. Well, thank God I didn't wait till you turned 90. You can get started now. 
Even Betty, she's 82. She's shouting in the front. Thank God I got the 80-plus crowd with me here. If you haven't been thinking like this, well, start thinking. If you're young, start thinking. You say, yeah, I believe in sowing and reaping and God meeting my needs so I can pay my rent. But how about positioning myself for this superabundance of which there is a previous historical record and which is prophesied again for the close of the age? And when the book of Hebrews quotes this prophecy from Haggai, it says, I don't have time to go there, that it refers to the last of days. Oh, thank you, Lord. Now, here's going to get really good. So I said, everything, including all wealth, legitimately belongs to Jesus Christ, right? Oh, we can all clap for Jesus. Oh, clap for Jesus. But here comes something else. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I told you this whole buildup. I had a long runway, but the plane is lifting now. Long runway. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We share in the inheritance. Therefore, you have a legitimate right to money, to abundance through Jesus Christ. And secondly, let's clap as much for the second part. We have a responsibility to channel finances for God's purpose, the building of God's eternal dwelling place of living stones. Hallelujah. And Haggai's prophecy ends, the glory of this latter temple, this temple of living stones, I submit, shall be greater than the former. And in this place, I will give peace. Actually, says, says the Lord of hosts. And whenever the Lord says the Lord of hosts, he says, don't mess with me about it. I'm the Lord of hosts. He says, don't be intimidated. He says, don't mess with me about it. I'm the Lord of hosts. He says, I will give peace. And I'll tell you something. There never was any earthly temple that brought peace. You can see all over the world, some of the big religious wars now is about what holy building is on which side. There's no peace. There's this religion saying, well, our, our God was born here and the other end oh this is our place for a thousand years and there's all this kind of fighting but i'll tell you there is a temple of living stones and in that temple there shall be peace because there the gospel of the peace of jesus christ reigns and i am declaring today oh first before i declare anything let me say i'm inviting you as painful as it may be to say, well, I just believe in God for a little bit. That's why I tell you, I started with making nickels on postcards. Thank God, just start somewhere. David started as a little runt of the litter. Nobody thought he had any potential. There's hope for everyone here, no matter what your age. Shall we lift our eyes and shall we declare we line ourselves up in the flow of superabundance? We line ourselves up. And that's why I said, if we were to experience this, and I believe we are, if we, my main prayer request, I said, God, don't let it go to their head, but keep it in their heart. <laughs> For wherever their treasure is, their heart will be there also. Uh, that'd be my main, my main, con that one, not my main concern, but that certainly we believe God for that. So what have I said? And I'm going to finish with this. God always provided for his dwelling place. Align yourself with God's purpose and prosper in this desert.
we're going to make history. We're going to make history. We already are positioned for this, but we're going to make history. Having said that, I want to say a word to that person who maybe is not feeling like you're on the inside yet. I said, people are always more precious than things. People. This whole thing I'm talking about is not some egomaniacal idea of money, money, money. It is about people. That means that every person within the sound of my voice, you are immensely precious. You are more valuable than the wealth of the world. And the wealth of the world is only to serve, to bring in people. You're precious. The redemption of a person can never be measured in a monetary way. And so I say for your sake and for Jesus' sake, if you don't have peace in your heart, if you don't know that your sins are forgiven, I want to give you an opportunity to receive that right now. Christ took our sins. He conquered death and hell and shame and guilt and regret. He conquered it all because you are so valuable. And the reason we want our, what's happened in this building, both the international minister and the local church to serve your hand is because people are more precious than things. That's the whole bit. And so this first Sunday of the new year, I want to give you the invitation to receive this new life from Jesus Christ. Would you bow your head with me right now? Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for doing what we cannot do, but your spirit does, speaking to people's hearts. So if you say this morning, I'm not sure that I have peace with God. I'm not sure that I know that my sins have been forgiven, that I've been awakened to this. But you say, I want to take this opportunity. Or maybe you say, I want to be restored to this salvation, this life of God. You should not leave this place with any unrest or any anxiety in your heart. But say, I come to Jesus. I come to Christ. I acknowledge him. In a moment, I'm going to ask people to lift your hands all over this room. If you say, Peter, I want to be included because I'm going to pray a prayer. A prayer of receiving this new life from Jesus. And if you want to be included in this prayer, then it's up to you. I don't force you. I don't feel bad. Whatever you do, it's not, it's not for me. But if you say, yes, for me, I want to be included. Lift up your hand way up high right now. How many would say, yes, I want to be included? God bless you over here. God bless you. 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 I see you over here. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. Person over here. Let's everybody stand together right now. Everybody stand all over this room. Let's everybody pray right now. Oh, thank you, Father. The Holy Spirit is so beautifully touching our hearts. Would you pray? Would you say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you that Christ died for my sins and rose again. And I changed my mind. I cannot save myself. Only Jesus Christ saves. Live in me. Live big in me. Thank you, Lord. I receive you now. I receive the gift of forgiveness. In Christ's name.
Amen. Oh, lift your hands up and just thank God right now. Thank God. This is so beautiful. This is so beautiful. This is so beautiful. Isn't this a great day? Beautiful way to start. Now let me ask you this way. I'm going to pray one more prayer today. And I pray for healing, but I also pray for your increase today. But first, before we do that, could I ask, you already up here. Thank you. You beat me to it. Jermaine, come on up here. Just Jermaine right now, not everybody. Just Jermaine. I'm going to ask everybody who lifted your hand. It'll take only one minute. Would you give me the privilege of shaking your hand and putting something in your hand? I would dearly love to do that. So if you lifted your hand and you say, I kind of prayed, but I didn't lift my hand. Well, we'll include you as well. Would you come here? I'm going to just stand right here. It's kind of, you know, we have lights up here for filming and all that, but that's okay. Would you come right now? Take somebody with you and come. But those who lifted your hands, would you come real quickly right now? Come from where you are. It would be a privilege for me to say, just shake your hand and give you something that you can take with you home. Let's give a big hand right now. God bless you. 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 I need prayer partners to come. More prayer partners to come. Come in, keep clapping, TRCC. Keep tracking. Keep clapping, TRCC. Keep, keep clapping right now. This is beautiful. I'm waiting for maybe two or three others. God bless you. 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 Look at this here. This is this. I need some more prayer partners. God bless you, man. God bless you. That's right, Gladys. You come here. Come here, Denise. That's beautiful. I need, I need more. All right. I promise to talk to everybody and give their hand. At least I shook everybody's hand. So how do we do this? I like problems like this. Don't yeah. you like problems like I this, Betty? You, like you love problems like this. Could I ask? Let's do it different. Just follow. The most empty chairs, Nora and, and would you like to go just over there for me? You sit right here. Just go. Somebody will make sure you get that book and we get to know you. Make, make sure, just, just so we do it in an organized way. You can help this dear lady in the chair right over here. That, that's right. You, you talk to her. Make sure she gets that book and we get to know what her name is. Vera, if you help this one right here, that's good. If you help out the Ebenezer. Can we give a big hand right now? Would you, would you help this young lady right here? Oh, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. you. You may be seated for just a moment. Just take your seat. Isn't it nice to do this in an organized way? Are you all right? We just, this is, I, I shook their hand and I, I want to give them this book and I want also Pastor Nathan and I to have a record of this. Can I give a, one other, it take me 10 seconds. Church, church members and believers, observe something. I talked about money. Did it turn these people off so they couldn't receive Christ? That's what Christians tell you. Oh, don't preach about money. It'll turn everybody off. If you preach about money for God's purposes, it doesn't turn anybody off. So, so did you catch that? So if you ever hear that, you can say, well, you can go and hear our pastors. They can preach about money and people get born again. People receive Jesus Christ in the context of that. Come on, let's give, can we give Jesus a big hand for that? I'd just like to shatter religious stereotypes. Are you with me? Thank you, Jesus. Let's join our hands together right now. You're going to be seated. On the day of Pentecost, they were seated. So sometimes we think you have to stand to receive. But just before you, just squeeze the person's hand beside you real hard. How many say, I want to align myself? I, I see this. And that doesn't mean just giving to ministry, because some ministries are not concerned at all about the 29% who have never virtually no exposure to the gospel. 
We're not talking about building buildings or superstructures. We're not talking, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not the building program. It's living stones. It's reaching people who have not heard the gospel, who live in our own culture, haven't heard. That's the purpose. I'm not talking about more selfish things. Just bless me and bless us and we just give so that we can be more comfortable. I'm talking about the world. How many would say, I'm will, I see that. I see that. That's the building program. And I think some Christians have given a lot of money, but they haven't given it into God's building program of living stones. They give to all kinds of causes and they talk, well, just give anywhere and God will bless you. Yes, there is a law. Give and you'll receive. But the superabundance I'm talking about is in this line, this flow of 8 billion people destined to be living stones in the final temple of God. How many would say, I'd like to be lined up for that? Lift up your hand way up high right now. All right, that's beautiful. Hallelujah. You lift up Alex's, Tina's lifting up Alex's and Nathan's hand. All right, hold them up. Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, I, I sense how by your spirit this has been getting deeper and deeper into us. And now I pray on this first Sunday of the 2020s. I, I thank you, Heavenly Father, for your great love for people. And I thank you, Lord, if the, if the love thing is working in us, if the love of God, the compelling of Christ's love is flowing, then I know the money issue will not be a big thing. So I thank you, Father, for that love relationship because when we love, we give, we can't help ourselves, but we want to give, Father. So I thank you for this church being in line for this superabundance. And I thank you that in these days, you are building a temple of living stones and we are the willing people, willing to with all of our might do whatever we can in the name of Jesus. So with that, I thank you, Father, for increases and I thank you for business ventures and I thank you for wisdom I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ and everybody said amen give the Lord a big clap for that and finally put your hand on